Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Yeah. Praise God, man. The youth that night, they're going to be singing the song, No Sleep, No Sleep Till Saturday Morning. Okay. If you know, you know. That's all right. A little trip down memory lane for some of you. Hey, do you need uh, people to help volunteer for the lock-in? Then I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there that you can ask, all right? But not me, because I will be sleeping. Pastor Greg will be sleeping. No, just kidding. I may pop in and just say, hey, you know. All right, man, isn't God good? Come on, give God praise. Okay, now listen. I was watching my Indianapolis Colts play last night, okay? Easy, easy. Now, and I noticed, and I was, uh, there's an example I was going to use at church this morning. There was a time when the Houston Texans, it was third and like a few yards, okay? The, the uh, Lucas Fieldhouse, it used to be RCA Dome when I was there, but it's Lucas Oil something now. The place was rocking, trying to cheer the team on to hold them. You know, people were loud and yelling and screaming. And all of a sudden the camera zoomed in on people and it panned on this one guy and, and he was just jumping up and down, waving a flag. And I thought, dude, you ain't doing nothing to really encourage the team on. They can't see you waving that flag way up there. You got to scream. You got to yell out. And I went, you know what? That's a good analogy for us. Sometimes, listen, we need to worship God and we need to praise him vocally, amen? Not just wave a little flag at the Lord because he's great and he's good. So can we just praise the Lord one more time? Yeah, man. The Lord deserves a shout of praise. He deserves our best praise, amen? Awesome, dude. God is good. Wow, look around. What a, what a packed house on this first Sunday of the year. Man, praise the Lord. And many, and some of you guys are streaming online right now. Thank you for joining us as well. You know, I was, I was, delay, I was waiting to, uh, whether to give this announcement or not, but I think today would be a great day to give a very important announcement. How many want to hear a good announcement? And first off, thank you guys all for being here, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'm glad you guys are here today. You woke up and you made it. You're keeping the, if, if, if your New Year's resolution was to make sure you're in church every Sunday, you, you did good today. First Sunday, give yourself a pat on the back, man. You did it. The resolution is still intact. But as we have been praying and talking and we've had much discussion over the last year or whatnot, and, and when we had the, uh, you know, the Christmas uh, staff elder kind of a, a little, it wasn't a party, it was kind of like a dinner, I guess. Um, but I, I talked about it. We've been talking about going to two services for some time and praying about that. And we've been a lot of discussion. And, and the, the target goal, gang, is two services Palm Sunday this year, okay? Two services Palm Sunday this year. So we're gonna grow into that. So first off, I ask you, you just be praying with us. Now don't start my sermon timer yet, okay? This, this is not the sermon. All right, hold on. I'll try to be quick. Oh, easy. But be praying for this big move. We feel like this is the next step God has for us. And man, look around. It's great, right? I mean, and, and if you're in a, a, the overflows or an added chair, you know, thank you for being patient. Um, there could be some Sundays where it gets a little elbowy, but that's okay, right? Just hang with us. We get there. We've already decided the times. This time is going to be 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. How many's in for the 6 a.m. service? Hey, 
Maybe we need to do three services. The early, early, early service. That's all good. Just kidding. We'll announce that stuff a little bit later. That is not the times. Don't put it on social media, please. That will not be the time. First off, I won't be here at 6 a.m. All right, if that's a service, you'll be worshiping the Lord by yourself. But that's okay. So be praying about that with us. And again, we, we want to give it plenty of time. We, we threw some different dates around, like next Sunday starting. And then it was like, then I was like, no, let's do the first Sunday of February. But then uh, we feel like in that Easter season is going to be a great time, allow us to grow into that. We can bathe it in prayer. I would ask you as a church, help us, be with us, uh, join us as a leadership to bathe this in prayer, that God would move. And, uh, and I know it can be an apprehensive thing. It's change. Um, but we think it's going to be a great thing. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Got a Bible or a Bible app? Then go to Genesis chapter 17 in the OT this morning. In the Old Testament, Genesis is the very first book. Just flip all the way to the front. All right. This morning, we're going to pick back up in our series, unpacking the various names of God after taking the kind of a seasonal break and talking about the name of Jesus during the, the Christmas season. Let me get this guy on here. All right. I haven't read it in a while, but the first few messages we read this, and I want to read it today. It's not in your creek notes, but the foundational theme verse for this series is Psalm 34.3, where the psalmist writes, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. And that's what we've been wanting to accomplish and what we're doing as we learn more about the character of God and the nature of God and his attributes of God through the different names that he's revealed himself with in scripture. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to 2024. How many are glad it's 2024? Yeah? How many are, it's like, I I didn't want 2024 to come around. Anybody? That's okay, you know? Last Sunday, it was, it's, it was awesome because it was the last day of the year and we were kind of peeking into the next day or the next year of 2024. Well, whether you like it or not, guess what? 2024 is here and it's here to stay for about 300 and something more days, right? But the beginning of a new year kind of gets us all thinking about our lives and perhaps how this next year can be different and I dare say even better uh, than the previous year. And this applies to many aspects of our lives. And so as it's the first Sunday of 2024 and relating to this message in the name of God, I ask, what will it take for this year maybe to make you completely content in life? Not full of anxiety, not full of worry, not full of stress or busyness, not, not full of discouragement or division or not full of depression or kind of a melancholy disposition. What is enough to help us, you, me? What is enough to help us be content in all the areas of our lives? You may ask, well, Greg, is that kind of state of contentment even possible? We can learn a lesson about this from the Israelite patriarch, Abraham. Now, we've talked about Abraham before with the name of God, Adonai. And just to to back up a little bit, in Genesis 12, God called Abram and promised him that he was going to make him a great nation 
God promised him that he would have so many descendants. They would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. A lot of descendants, right? And that all the world would be blessed because of his descendants. But Sarai, his wife, was barren. She could not have kids. But Abram believed in God's promises. But this promise of Abram and Sarai having a child took a long time. L-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-N-G, okay? They had become very old and were getting you know, older every single day with no promise of God being fulfilled. So they probably thought, mm, okay, us having children as numerous as the stars, how can this be? And they got a little nervous, they got a little worried. So in Genesis 16, we see that Abram and Sarai kind of took the issue into their own hands and Sarai gave Abram her servant Hagar to marry and have a kid through, all right? And then they thought, well, perhaps this is how God's promise to us is going to be fulfilled. What did they do? They kind of tried to help God out. They try to say, well, God, we're going to help you out in fulfilling your promise because you seem to be delaying for a while and it seems impossible to us. And every day we're getting older, so we're just going to try to help you out here. So Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born to Hagar, Sarai's servant. And they raised Ishmael for 13 years, 13 years. And then... God visited Abram again and he reaffirms his covenant promise and assures Abram that a boy from Sarai's womb would fulfill the promise. But dude, Abram's like 99 years old now and his wife is right behind him at the young age of 90, okay? People typically don't have children at the century mark, am I right? <laughs> I mean, this promise now seemed impossible. How many of you have faced something that seemed impossible, but you know God told you it's gonna be okay? Anybody ever? Yeah, we could testify all over this building, okay? Listen, Abram was about to discover a lesson about the sufficiency of God and that with God, nothing's impossible. That with God, nothing is impossible. And he's powerful enough to do what he wants and to make it happen, okay? Man, that was a long takeoff for the plane called a sermon. So let's get to our text. Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. I love this response. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Abram meant exalted father and how that must have stung all those years of not having a kid. God, you promised me all these descendants. Even my name, Abram means exalted father, but yet I have zero, no children, okay? But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Abraham means father of a multitude. Now his name is more fitting. 
Verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Covenant, not covenant. What does everlasting mean? It means forever, right? That means God's covenant with his people, the Israelites, it's still in effect. Yes? Generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. That land is theirs promised by God thousands of years ago, okay? And I will be their God. Verse nine, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. Now go down to verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're not gonna call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. The 13-year-old here that was born to Sarah's servant. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you'll call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Praise the Lord. So you're like, Greg, where's the name of God in all of those verses, right? So the specific name of God that we're going to discuss this morning is contained in the very first verse of our text, but we needed to read all of the other verses for context in this name. When Abraham or Abram at the time was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Is that my phone? Hello? Whoa. Oh, it says time's up. Guys, service is over. Three minutes. Oh, uh, Jay, come on up and let's close this out in prayer. All right. We'll continue next week, guys. What in the world? Woo. All right. <laughs> that was wild. All right. Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Okay. Uh, somebody hacked my phone. I see how you do it, okay? The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. That is the Hebrew name El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And it means God Almighty. God Almighty. Now, the first time I ever heard this Hebrew name for God, El Shaddai, it was way back in the great day of 1982. I was so young then, practically a baby. <laughs> but the, the Grammy Award-winning artist, Amy Grant, and, and I still remember hearing about her. You know, Amy Grant, she was the Taylor Swift of Christian music back in the 80s. <laughs> Today we have Swifties. In the 80s, it was Granties, okay? That doesn't even sound right, does it? Granties. Anyway, all right. She recorded a song with this name for God as the title of one of her songs on her Age to Age album. And it just like certified, it just like took off. And it went, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, 
El Elyon Adonai. I can hear some of you guys singing that, yeah. It was an awesome song. And, and everybody then heard the name of God, El Shaddai, and everybody's like, what is that? What language is she speaking, you know? And it was Hebrew, and it was the name Almighty God. So this first aspect, you know, there's a, a couple things that, that I want to talk about relating to El Shaddai. And the first one is, you know, he's Almighty God. Now, what does Almighty mean? Help me out. Thank you. Somebody said it. I don't know who did that. Yes, Almighty. Many of the Bibles may say A-L-M-I-G-H, but it means A-L-L, Almighty. Almighty doesn't mean that God is a quarter powerful or he's half mighty, not even 99.9999999999% power might. No, almighty means having absolute power over all and over everything. It means he's just powerful. Power and being powerful, gang, is part of his nature. God is infinitely power. He's max powerful, plus, 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 plus. There is no limit to God's power, to his strength, and to his might. Listen, you can't even measure God's power because God is power himself. You know, on earth, we try to, you know, measure power and measure all these things. When it comes to El Shaddai, you can't measure him. You can't measure his power because he is power himself. His very name means power. His very nature proclaims power. He's El Shaddai, God Almighty. God spoke everything into existence. That's how powerful he is. It's not like when, when God wanted to create the earth, it's likely he pulled out the old tool bag, right, and chose certain tools and went, got to work, hammering and chiseling and laying out rocks and mountains and then pulling out his tape measure and level just to make sure things are all in place or he grabbed a shovel and he started digging to create holes in the earth. No, he's so powerful that he created by his will. He willed it, he spoke it, and boom. It was done. It was done. The only time we ever see him creating with his hands is when he created Adam and Eve and he created humanity. And that was very specific in why he did that. And it's unlike us, right? I mean, we have to work up our wills to get anything done, right? I mean, in many things in life, we're often like what the word says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak and lazy and tired, right? I know that's me, anybody else? I know I have to work up my will to mow the grass, to go around all throughout the house and gather all the garbage. Anybody else with me? I have to work up the will to fill up my gas tank when it's running empty. I hate filling up the gas tank. Anybody else? It's such a waste of time and a waste of life, in my opinion. Oh, that's why I drive around on faith all the time. The needle is E. And I'm like, oh, Lord, bless this vehicle one more time. Get me to the thing. And I'll put in about $3 of gas, you know. That's the truth. Before we moved here, me and Megan were working on our finances. And we were going through our checking account. And she saw all these gas station charges with the, you know, the debit card. And it's like $3, $5, $4, $7. She's like, why don't you just fill it up? I'm like, I don't want to sit there all the time. I just want to pump and go, man. Pump and go, all right? Look, we all have a will and we want our will to be accomplished, 
but often we have to conjure up the strength and the power to make it happen. And yet, how often do we find ourselves lacking the power to make our will done? New Year's resolutions is a great example of that. I'm going to do this this year. No, I'm not. It's the next day, you know? And I don't have the will to do that after a day or a week or a month, right? We get sidetracked, we get bored, we get preoccupied with other things, we get distracted, we lose interest. Not El Shaddai. Not El Shaddai. Whatever God wills, he has infinite power to make it happen. He doesn't get sidetracked, he doesn't get lazy, right? He doesn't get preoccupied with other things. He's almighty, he's all powerful. What he wills, he will make it happen. You see, real power is the ability to affect change and make something happen. That's real power. Be able to affect change and make something happen. And gang, all that we do on this earth, all that we create, all that happens through humanity is simply temporary, right? We live as humans within the confines and boundaries of cause and effect on our natural human side. Isn't that true? You know, cause and effect. It's something that we live with every single day. Listen, God is so powerful. He is above cause and effect. God actually controls cause and effect. See, God is absolute sovereign over all things, all people, all creation, and sovereign over all the heavens, praise the Lord. El Shaddai, God has unlimited power. We don't even know that. We don't even know that. Unlimited power. Job eleven seven. Job is recorded as saying, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? Go to the New Testament. The apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one, starting with verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Verse 19 says, and what is the immeasurable, you can't measure it. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, praise the Lord. You know, there's a popular saying uh, that, that gives quite a great encouragement. It's in memes all over, okay? But it goes like this. Stop telling God how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big your God is, right? How many have heard that before? Mm. Four of you? Well, good. You guys have learned something, all right? There we go. There's a message right there. Stop telling God, how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big and how powerful and almighty your God El Shaddai is. And we need, we need to do that no matter the problem, no matter what we face, no matter the difficulty, no matter the situation, right? It's just like I said earlier, whatever God wills, whatever he wants, he has infinite power to make it happen. Infinite power to make it happen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. The apostle Paul writes, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Now, God showed Abraham that he was powerful and able to fulfill his promise to Abraham through his own power in the way that he caused Sarah, way past childbirth birth and age, to have a baby because God wanted that to happen. That was God's will and God made that happen with his power. And again, it bears repeating, whatever God wants to happen, whatever God plans to happen, it's going to happen. It will happen because that's the sovereignty of God. That's the omnipotence of God. He's all powerful and able to do anything and everything at any given time. And he can bring to pass everything and anything that he wills. He has no bounds. He has no limitations. Whatever he wills, it will happen. Even if that means allowing a near centenarian couple to have a baby to fulfill his covenantal promise. Man, that's good news for us. Do you realize that? Can you see that? No problem of ours is too big for our God, praise the Lord. There's nothing in our lives that's going on that that has God wringing his hands. Oh man, I don't know what I'm gonna do. That is a huge problem that they've encountered. What are we gonna do? No, there's no situation in our lives that has God pacing back and forth, wondering how, how to do this, how, uh, what the outcome's going to be. Listen, there's no issue in our lives where God says, I can't do that. That's too much for me. That's beyond me. That's, that's above my pay grade, dude, you know? No, not at all. God doesn't say, good luck with that. No, he's like, I'm El Shaddai. I'm almighty. I am sovereign. So take hope this morning. Be encouraged today. El Shaddai is on the throne. He is God almighty. He has the power to do what he wants and what he wills in our lives. And the good news is God is for you. He's for you. And according to Romans 8, 28, it's all good. It's all good. Can we praise God for that? That's encouragement today, man. I don't know how, like one of my mentors, and I've said this before, I don't know how you can be so quiet when I'm telling you something so good. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. The second aspect of what El Shaddai means is that El Shaddai, he's one who is sufficient and who nourishes and supplies. He's one who's sufficient. I love that word. And he nourishes and he supplies. El Shaddai, he is the sufficient one. Write that in your Greek notes if you're taking notes. It means he is the sufficient one. Look, not only did God show Abraham that he was powerful enough to fulfill his promise, but God also showed Abraham that he was sufficient enough to fulfill his promise. The major care and concern that was on Abraham's heart I mean, we can even go back even earlier in, in, in Genesis and we talked about this with one of the names of God and, and, and Abraham's like, Lord, you promised me these children, but, but, but right now the heir is like my head steward of my household, Eliezer of Damascus. I mean, it's been a concern of Abraham's heart for a long time, okay? But God showed Abraham that he was sufficient to take care of it. And we need to know today, going into 2024, that El Shaddai is sufficient and can take the cares of our hearts and our matters and the concerns of our lives in his hands. 
If you remember last week's message, if you were here, you watched it online, you know, I, I mentioned that we are in the hollow of his hands. If you're his child, if you've called upon Jesus as your Savior and your, and, and your Lord and you're following him, you've taken up the cross, denied yourself and followed Jesus Christ, you're in the hollow of his hands. And that's awesome because his hands are massive and they're all powerful, like I said. And guys, I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. God was able to bring life, life to an empty, barren womb. If he can do that, he can supply every single need we have in abundance. And it's nothing for him. It's nothing for him. He's El Shaddai, the sufficient one. Now, many believe that Shaddai is derived from the Hebrew word shad, meaning breast. And it implies that God is nourishing and satisfying and supplying the needs of his children like a mother would her own child. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And this isn't prosperity. This isn't pie in the sky message. This isn't, you know, whatever you ask of God, he's gonna know. I already read the scripture. God does everything according to his works and what he wants. And he's already promised he'll supply your needs according to his will and his good riches. We just have to sit here in his hands, amen? God, El Shaddai, he sustains us, blesses us, and nourishes us. I'll quote one of my favorite movie characters. He gives us spiritual nutrients, all right? Okay, listen, God will supply our needs and he will fulfill his promises in our lives. That's good to know in the beginning of 2024 that God will supply our needs and fulfill his promises to us. Listen to this. Hear ye, hear ye, okay? <laughs> God has an inexhaustible supply of blessings and provision for his children. Did you hear that? He has an inexhaustible supply of blessing and provision for his kids. The apostle Paul writes, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need. How many needs? Just one or two? The most bigger than, no, every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I just quoted that. We have to know this, King. We have to let this anchor deep in our hearts. We can't be like the guy who, you know, was given the gift for Christmas of a beautiful cruise going out of Galveston, all right? How many would like a gift like that? I know Megan would. I let her down. It's all right. This dude had never been on a cruise before. He was pumped to go on his very first voyage. He didn't have to pay a dime for this cruise, right? It was an all expense paid gift. But all week long, there was a certain crew member noticed that he frequently went to the, the deck and he ate a lot of the free crackers and juice that was provided on the deck. And he did this all day, every single day, okay? And this crew member never in his whole life or in any other cruise saw a person eat this many crackers and drink that much juice on a cruise, okay? So when the cruise was over and people were disembarking, this crew member made his way to this guy and said, hey, sir, how did you enjoy the cruise? The man said, it was awesome. It was great. It was a dream, better than I could have ever imagined. The crew member said, well, I'm glad to hear that, but I, but I noticed that you really enjoyed uh, the crackers and the juice on the deck, <laughs> 
I was wondering why you like them so much. Did they just taste that good or, or what? And the man answered, well, I saw all the great and expensive meals that were offered all week long, but, but I didn't bring enough money to cover those kinds of meals. And so since those crackers and the juice were free, I just let those sustain me all week long on the cruise, all right? Well, the crew member replied, man, someone didn't tell you everything for sure. When the price for your ticket was paid, it not only included getting on the boat uh, and going everywhere the boat went, but it also included everything on the boat. Your food was already paid for and covered by your ticket. Gang, listen, Jesus Christ paid the price for our salvation, right? And, and our ticket does cruise us to heaven, all right? If I can use the illustration. But it also provides everything we need for along the journey. And Sally, there might be a lot of believers who are like this guy. They're just enjoying the free crackers and juice, just wanting to get to heaven. When there's an ample supply of spiritual food and spiritual nourishment that's available to us all the time. Don't just enjoy the free crackers. Come on, get in there and feast in the nourishment that the Lord provides, amen? Because he's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, and he's able to care for you and he's able to take care of you. So I wanna close this message quickly. You guys get that? Quickly, with, with, with just four real quick things we learned with El Shaddai. Number one is we can't save ourselves. We learned this with El Shaddai. We can't save ourselves. There's nothing that Abraham and Sarah could do on their own strength and power and might to fulfill God's promise. And gang, there are people all over the world and they have been for historically for times past and they will be in the time future. They're trying to save themselves in their own ways, their own strength, their own might. And their own strength and might is things like good moral living or church membership, doing good deeds, acts of kindness, not living a bad life. You can go to a lot of people, hey, are you gonna to go to heaven or hell when you die? Well, I'm gonna to go to heaven, why? Because I've lived a good life. So many people will say that, okay? Or they've been charitable or they follow this one person's teaching or whatnot. People think they can save themselves. If they do certain things or don't do certain things, then they're good. I'll never forget I went to visit my father-in-law's family with him. We met them in South Carolina one time and he had, a, he had a brother who wasn't serving the Lord and, and he was raised in church and, and, and he was way up in age and I remember sitting there and my father-in-law was pleading with him like the last time he's probably gonna get to see him and he is pleading with him, please come to Christ, please come to Christ. What's your hold up? Why, why, why are you doing this? And he, and he looked at my father-in-law, and I'll never forget, I sat in there, I never forgot it. He said, Ted, you know I can't come to Christ because I, I can't quit, I can't quit smoking. And if I can't quit smoking, I, I can't be saved, I can't come to Christ. He had been told over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, that was a condition of salvation. And that if he, he could save himself basically by quitting that, and my heart was broken as I left that house that day. Because he didn't repent. He didn't turn to the Lord. Now, I did find out later that he did. Praise the Lord. 
But what a lesson about that. Listen, El Shaddai has the power to save sinners. Just think about that. Has the power to save wretched sinners. What other God, little G, has ever had that kind of power in all the world religions and the cults? None of those gods, little G, or great teachers or leaders could ever take a person who's rotten to the core, low down, dirty scandal, filthy when it comes to righteousness, right? Ugly and save them and make them clean and make them new. That's only by the power of God, El Shaddai, God Almighty. The Apostle Paul, he records, especially in 1 Timothy, he's like, dude, I am the worst of sinners. The worst. But God saved me and changed me. Listen, when you try to save yourself, when a person tries to do that, dude, you end up flat on your face and ruined just like that Colts receiver last night on third and one down and he missed the he missed the catch and he's laying there flat down. And that's my team. I threw my computer. No, I didn't do that, but that's all right. It was disastrous. And it's disastrous when you try to save yourself. Number two, we can't make it happen on our own. I got to hurry. We can't make it happen on our own. It being what God has promised you, what you're believing for. Abraham and Sarah found this out with their son Ishmael. They tried to make it happen on their own, but it was nothing but trouble. And the world is still feeling the pains from this trouble, from them trying to help God out. And it's always trouble when we try to, you know, get it to happen in our own might and our own strength and our own power. Listen to me, God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need your help. He's capable enough on his own and he has the ability, the power, and he's sufficient to do it himself according to his will. And we will never accomplish anything for God as long as we think we can do it in our own human strength, our own human might, and our efforts. Why? Because we're insufficient. But he is all sufficient, amen? The prophet Zechariah said, you know, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I know this truth firsthand because most of my life, I tried to obtain righteousness and holiness by my own striving and my own efforts. I tried to be holy and righteous by avoiding all kinds of things and trying to be super spiritual all the time. And I got very OCD about it. I remember one time, I, you know, I couldn't listen to rock music, okay? And my friends were listening to rock music at this one place and I just cut my ears and I was like, la, 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 la. I started singing Christian songs, you know, and they're like, you're weird, okay? <laughs> but all that did, it created a mess in my heart because I became very judgmental. I came very spiritually prideful and it wasn't good. It was just a mess. And too many times, too many are like a lady who, who lived out in the boondocks. She never had electricity, but she wanted it. She finally called an electric company. They came out and they finally hooked up her house to the, the line so she could enjoy the, the benefits of electricity. And six months went by and someone finally looked at her bill and noticed that she had only used one unit of electricity. So they sent out a person to her, her house way out in the boondocks and, and to find out what's up. And she answered and he said, hello, ma'am, are you using your electricity? She said, well, yes, I am. It's beautiful. It's great. And he said, well, what are you using it for? 
And then she said, well, when it gets dark, I, I turn it on long enough to light my kerosene lamp. <laughs> and she turned it off. She didn't understand the power that she had. She had all this power that could keep things lit up all night long, but she settled kind of like the guy in the cruise for a cracker existence. She settled for a kerosene existence. Guys, there's, there are many who are, are minimizing God's great power to accomplish much in their lives because they're just trying to light up their own human efforts and their own human striving. You can't do it on your own. You can't make it what you're believing for, what God's promised you. You can't make it happen in your own strength and your own might. Number three, we learn God has power and abundant resources to fulfill his will and to help us. Leave that on the screen for a little bit. That's a mouthful. I think there's a couple of blanks there. There's a little boy one day was trying to pick up a rock and his dad said, or and he said to his dad, dad, it's too heavy. And the dad said, son, you can do it. The boy strained and tried, but the dad, it's too heavy. The father insisted, son, you can do it. He tried again, dad, ooh, it's too heavy, right? He said, son, you're not using all your strength. Dad, I am, but it's too heavy. Son, you're not using all your strength. Dad, why are you continuing saying, I'm not using all my strength? It's too heavy. The dad said, I know you're not using all your strength because you haven't asked me to help you yet. Guys, we can count on El Shaddai. We can call on him and he's waiting to help us. Man, just as Abraham had confidence that El Shaddai would fulfill his covenantal promise, we have confidence that God will fulfill his promises to us. He's El Shaddai. Well, how many promises? There was a guy by the name of Everett R. Storms. He recorded that there, were, there are 7,487 promises from God to man. God's faithful to fulfill those promises to us, amen? Jake, if you and the band wanna come up, that'd be great. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. What do you need have need of this morning? Do you need his help? He's El Shaddai. And he has abundant resources to fulfill his will and to help you and me. And lastly, we must live in total surrender and wait on God. This is the biggie, gang. This is the biggie. This is what El Shaddai requests and asks. We must live in total surrender and wait on him. In verse three of our text, we see Abraham in the posture of falling on his face before the Lord in an act of submission and surrender. Earlier I said that God doesn't need your help, okay? And that's true, but you know what he wants? He wants your surrender to him. He doesn't need your help, but he wants your surrender. That's the posture that God wants in order to accomplish his purposes in us. And as we surrender, we wait for God to fulfill his promises in his time, on his terms, not ours, where we humbly say, you do it, God. I trust you. I will wait for you. And I will praise you 
no matter what. You're not really surrendered to God unless you can say, I'm gonna praise you, God, no matter what. Even if I lose everything, God, I'm gonna praise you. Even if it doesn't go my way, I'm gonna praise you. Even if disaster strikes in 2024, I wanna praise you because I'm surrendered to you. Are you humbly surrendered to God? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to God? Is it about him or is it about you? Have you yielded control of your life to him or are you, or are you still trying to control things? Paul writes in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's a surrender. I'm gonna live for you, Jesus, not for me. Have you surrendered this morning? You see, El Shaddai is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Revelation 1.8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. That's the Greek essence of the Hebrew, El Shaddai. Jesus himself said, I'm the Almighty. And Jesus said in John 6.35, here's the sufficient part. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the all-sufficient one. He went to the cross. He did the heavy lifting. He paid the ultimate price, right? And God was telling Abraham to walk before him. And if he does that, he's sufficient and almighty. And he'll make what he told Abraham to pass. And he'll perform and be faithful to the covenant. And guys, he says that to us. We're gonna take communion here, but as it's a new year, listen, El Shaddai is with us and he's sufficient and, and, and what he wants done in your life in 2024, guess what? He's gonna make it happen. He's sufficient to perform what he wants in our lives and in this church. Not only this year, but even the coming years. And so as we look into 2024, as we, you know, gaze into this horizon, let's have the confidence in the all-sufficient El Shaddai, Almighty God, the sufficient one. You know, at the beginning of the message, I asked the question, what is enough for you to maybe have full contentment in life? And there's only one answer. It's, it's not... Riches or money or fame or power, or prestige or a better location or, or anything like that or a relationship or whatever, a promotion. No, the only answer is God. God is enough. El Shaddai is enough for you and for me because when we serve him and surrender to him, he'll provide everything for us, amen? that we need according to his will and purposes. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning and I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Lord, let the truth of your name here resonate within our hearts and anchor in our souls. 
Fill us with your love and hope, Lord, as we look into this new year. You are almighty and you're sufficient. And what you want to happen is going to happen. Let us live in total surrender, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.